podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Full of frustration. Full of despair. From years of hurt, disappointment and relegation. Two British football fans have had enough. Canary Bird Elliot Holman and Wanderer Henry Hewitt are in search of glory, pride, passion, in search of silverware. And they found Major League Soccer. Playoffs are lit. This is the MLS UK show. Welcome along to another episode of the MLS UK show. My name's Elliot Holman. And I'm Henry Hewitt. Here's what we have for you today in a mid-playoff special. Let's do it. We will, of course, react to what has been an incredible start to the MLS Cup playoffs. I have been absolutely buzzing, despite it being about 5am when these games finish. And it's not all over yet. We've got four DPs on the show today, one from each team still left in it. There's a lot to talk about. DPs, of course, designated phoners. We're not going to be joined by like Joseph Martinez or anything. (laughs) Sorry to disappoint you. Right, let's do it. You ready? Let's go. Elliot Holman, Henry Hewitt, MLS UK Show. I don't even know where to start. (laughs) I was away last weekend, so desperately trying to follow playoffs, watch playoffs on my phone. It's just been so worth the effort. The games so far have been incredible. Ironically, the most... uh, I don't want to say boring, because they've all been exciting in their own ways, but the, the two most... No, you're right. Atlanta was boring. The least entertaining <laughs> games have been Atlanta. But then again, it, they've shown that Atlanta can keep clean sheets. They're tight at the back. Uh, we're going to be talking to, uh, as Elliot's pointed out, not a designated player, uh, but a designated phoner. We've got people who we speak to of every team whenever we want to speak about them. And there are fans that come onto the show. This week, we've got four on the show. I, you want to have a guess which four teams <laughs> they represent? Is it? Toronto. Yes. Atlanta. Yes. LAFC. Yes. And Dallas. No. Is it Seattle? It is, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I caught up with all of these. Fun, I mean, we've had to turn this round so quick that Friday when you left work at yeah. what? Two o'clock, half two? Yeah. I've managed to get three of them before the end of the day yeah. and then speak to one on Next Sunday. Gonna, I've done three of them. I was like, what? Yeah. Uh, So we're speaking to, from Atlanta's point of view, uh, Sam Jones, who works on Dirty South Soccer. Uh, Finding Toronto's uh, Jamie is on the show. We've got UK LAFC's Matt. He'll be talking, well, about LAFC. And we've got Gregor from the Full 90 Extra Time podcast, which concentrates on all things Seattle Sounders. And that's off of actual Seattle. Yes. Okay, Um, so all that's still to come. If you haven't checked out uh, our last episode, it was a special ahead of the playoffs with uh, MLSsoccer.com's Kaylin Carr, uh, of course, host of The Movement, does a lot. It's been on a lot doing a Mm. lot of the uh, analysis from the the playoffs so far. Really good chat with him. I know we've had so much positive feedback from it. Everybody... Uh, everybody's loved it and he had some great things to say about his old club Chicago he had some really good previews for for the playoffs including 
LAFC, who of course are, are still in it. He had a big take on LAFC. And of course, the, the growth of MLS here in the UK as well. So make sure you check that out. It's season two, episode 23, that one, our last episode with Kalen Carr. Yes, make sure you do it after this episode, though. It should come up. If you're not listening to it, it should come up um, straight away after this episode finishes. Uh, we'd really appreciate it as well, whilst you're on your podcast provider, if you could give us a rating. Uh, it'd be really appreciative. But Elliot, there is one rule if you want to give us a rating. Five stars or nout. Yes, we. <laughs> anything less than five stars, it will hinder us. So, uh, you know, that won't help anything, will it? I really like people's comments as well. Like, even if it's just a little uh, sarcastic one or just a quote from the show, like, leave us a comment because it yeah. makes makes me smile. Um, but yeah, if you could um, share with your friends and give us a rating and, uh, and a comment, that would be much appreciated. Speaking of quotes from the show, just before we do the game with a changing name, mm. now we've got some exciting news to give you in the next few weeks. If you saw a picture on our socials of Elliot just looking at a T-shirt, uh, a very creased T-shirt, yeah. uh, then uh, it's to do with that. But we put out on social media, well, on Twitter, we said, if Elliot's got a catchphrase of get in, what does Henry have? And uh, some of the responses I really liked because it shows that there's some bits of the show that we do that we don't pick up on. Yeah. Yet Charlotte, who's an Orlando fan, was like, see ya. Yeah. Uh, That's a classic out from you. Yeah. Andrews, who's part of uh, NYC FC UK, he said, I'm Henry Hewitt. Yeah. Uh, is that from the start? That's like, from when the st- we When we do this thing. This yeah. is the MLS UK show. Because I always start it by saying, like, welcome along. It's season two, episode 24 of the MLS UK show. And then I go, I'm Elliot Holman. And I say, and I'm Henry Hewitt. <laughs> you definitely uh, you definitely sort of go up a little <laughs> yeah. bit. Go off a pitch. Um, and DC United UK said, uh, he said, I don't know, I'll ask Poppy or something like that. Yeah, so. yeah. So, uh, yeah, thanks for them. And we'll, we'll make that a bit clearer in the next few weeks of what we needed them for. I have a question. Go on. What would my catchphrase be? I think Never we really all know. what. Well, yours isn't really a catchphrase because a catchphrase you should say every episode. But as we know, you've not said it in a while. No, just building suspense, you know. Maybe in March. <laughs> 2022. Yeah. Right. Shall we we start with a game with a changing name? Yes. As always, uh, I have a player that has crossed paths here in the UK and also in MLS. Um, I shall read you his career path and you have to work out who it is. Okay. Why are you grinning so much? I'm just excited for the podcast. You are having a good time today. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think you may know about this one because... When I found out that he'd played in the UK, I sent you a screenshot going like WTF. Uh, yeah, so yeah. Uh, I think you'll know who I'm, who I'm talking about here. Uh, this particular player is the second New England Revolution player that we have had on this feature uh, in the last couple of weeks. Okay, So he started his career in Valencia in 2012. Okay. okay? He then moved to Aston Villa right. in 2015. And far be it for me to disagree with the oracle that is Wikipedia, <laughs> but apparently was it Aston Villa from 2015 to 2018? Yeah, I didn't know about Completely that. escaped yeah. me that. He then went to Deportivo La Coruña right. in uh, España. Uh, shout out to everyone who says that we can't pronounce things properly. That's Deportivo La Coruña. Uh, and then from there, after 18 appearances, went to New England Revolution. But who is it? Get in touch with us. Tweet us at MLS UK Show. You can DM us as well on Instagram with the same 
uh, well, the same handle. A lot of people do that, actually, get in touch on Instagram. Mm. Or Facebook as well, MLS UK Show. Like us on there. We've, uh, it seems to be the forgotten social media child. But it we is, are, isn't it? We're posting more stuff on there. So um, get in touch if you know. Screenshot where you're up to in the podcast and uh, we'll tell you if you're right at the end. Deportiva La Coruña. The MLS UK Show. It's time to look back at what has been an uneventful playoff picture so far where do we start well i think we should start with praising mls and i know it doesn't happen that much (laughs) hardly ever on this podcast but we need to praise them for the introduction of this single match playoffs because it's it's there's so much drama that's happened because of this yeah so it's single elimination the higher seed hosts and the winners advance to the next round yeah now for me I don't know why this was never a thing before. I don't. I don't know why we were dragging it out. We agreed last year. Where I think we even said on the podcast, it's, it's going on a bit. Like yeah. there was big gaps in between the games. It was like first leg, which was almost irrelevant because then you could go and win it in the second leg, and it just seemed all a little bit drawn out and disjointed and pointless. This, th- these playoffs have been wild. Yeah, I guess as we've seen. The home advantage is a thing. Mm. Home advantage is clearly because of the travel that's got to take place as well. That's probably why they had the two legs. So I can see the method in the madness, but I'm so happy that it's it's gone to single leg matches now. They'll uh, probably change it back next year. They probably will, yeah. But they have, to be fair, they have been retweeting some um, people that have been yeah. praising it. So I don't think they will. But... Uh, This just means that home advantage is a thing. As we all know that my team, Atlanta United, do take advantage of that home advantage quite a lot in the regular season. And now we find ourselves in the conference final. So I'm all for it. (laughs) Okay, let's start with uh, Toronto versus DC United. It went to extra time because it was (laughs) one-all. Yeah, if you look at the final score... You would not say it had gone to extra time. It went to extra time and then Toronto absolutely destroyed DC. I'm sorry, there's no other way to put it. 5-1. Toronto looking really, really strong there. DC out. Of course, it was Wayne Rooney's final game. He won't be the only one, but it was a bit high profile because he basically flew back to the UK Mm -hmm. here the next day like, I am done. Um, So obviously we're expecting uh, guys like Luciano Acosta to also be departing DC. Uh, so the dream is over for the district. Are you a bit disappointed about that? The fact that obviously we were bigging up DC because of Wayne Rooney and, and the way they ended last season as well as uh, the whole of this season. Mm. We were praising them. It was refreshing to see one of these MLS big dogs back at the top. But it's not to be. And, and now yeah. they're in a transitional period again. So who knows where they'll finish next year? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of players. It's going to be a big roster change next year because there's so many players that are sort of on loan or their deals are ending or, uh, in Wayne's case, have already gone. So I think it's a shame because we saw Wayne's impact, especially from our point of view on a, on a UK-based podcast about MLS. I think it's a shame that Wayne had such an impact last year, such an impact. They climbed up to the table as soon as he arrived. And uh, by the time we get to now, and we're, we're in the playoffs and first game, a uh, heavy 5-1 defeat. I just think it's a shame that he wasn't able to make the final, maybe face Latan in the final. That would have been Yeah, that would have been great. But let's concentrate on Toronto because, uh, I mean, we said they were the farm team going into it. Mm. They've shown that, in particular in that DC game, well, the first half of extra time in that DC game. But you could argue that for the majority of that game, they were on top. And DC were quite lucky, actually, to get that last-minute equaliser. 
They were. They were definitely. And I, I think, to be fair, I think it's just a, it's the the squad depth. When you look at Toronto, the options they have, I think you get to extra time, and then you can just you can just mix it up. You can change shape. You can change formation. You can change personnel. Toronto's roster is really really impressive. When you look at these games, these big important one off games where maybe you need to go the distance, and I think. To count, I, yeah, that's why I backed them in the in the following game. Is that they just look like they've got it all together without Josie? Yes, of course. The next round, they went to uh, New York to play at City Field. Yep. I, I've got to say, excluding the big net, no. In the, in the middle of a screen, the big net was annoying. I thought the game played better no. on that pitch than no. it did at the Yankee Stadium. No, embarrassing. Having to, having to play at Yankee Stadium week in, week out, embarrassing. It's terrible. Mm. The shape of the pitch is wrong. The surface is dreadful. The ball doesn't even roll properly. Having to... Then that terrible pitch is all they've got. They're so desperate that that's all they have so that when that's taken away from them, they end up in a different baseball field <laughs> yeah. where, let's be honest, they could have had the pitch bigger. They decided not to. You could tell that it could have been a lot bigger. They decided to keep the same dimensions. It just looked, again, dreadful. And I'm sorry, that is the worst broadcasting football I've ever seen. Don't get me wrong, I agree with you. I agree with everything you've just said that there. That net is an absolute embarrassment. Yeah. How has no one checked that camera angle and gone, I'm sorry, guys. Like, someone from MLS should have seen that at some point, or Fox or whatever it was broadcast on, and gone well, we can't do this. Like, get that net down. Yeah, I agree. But what I'm saying is the role of the ball on the pitch, the quality of the play, I felt was I couldn't better. see it. I couldn't <laughs> well, see you, the role of the ball. You could see half of the pitch. But I thought it was much better playing... Uh, for me, watching it, it was a great game anyway, but watching it on that pitch was a lot better than it is at Yankee Stadium. However, I totally agree. MLS, it's a playoff game. You know, one of the biggest games of the year. And... You've got to watch it through a net on on TV. And remember, this is the USA. In the UK, it's a bit more, well, we look after the crowd. They're the main priority. And then it's what happens on TV. In the States, it's all about TV. And for for it to to have to watch it through a net was was very disappointing. My issue is that look at the teams that didn't make the playoffs. have got, you know, like Chicago Fire, big stadium. Montreal, you know, nice soccer-specific stadium. Orlando City, Columbus mm. Crew are getting a new one. Cincinnati's, yeah, Nipper Stadium, m- massive would be incredible on a on a playoff, yeah. And that's just in the East. And I just think, how is that allowed? Well, as we've said before on this podcast, we're in sort of that. Um, how can I put it? We're in the teenage years of MLS. We it's still developing. It's still understanding what it is. I think in a few years, especially once the expansion teams come in. You, they'll look back at these moments and laugh and think, God, how do we put up with that? Because I don't think in a five or six years watching a game through a net is going gonna, is gonna to happen at all. Because Minnesota, oh, you, you want to join MLS? Right, you're going to have to build your own stadium. Orlando City, yeah, you, do you know that, that massive 60,000 capacity stadium you're playing? It's not good enough. You need a soccer-specific stadium. Go and waste your money on building a soccer-specific stadium. New York, yeah, we've already got a team, but do you know what? Actually, that's fine. We'll have another one and you can just, you can just play there. Oh, it's not available. All right, we'll just get this massive net and just block. Ridiculous. It's actually, there's no consistency. No, but on the pitch, Toronto won 2 1. 89th minute, it's 1 1. What is he doing? Literally diving in that, in that situation. I think even if it goes to a second leg, 
you don't do that. No, no, no. Because it's not worth it. You may no. as well see, let him get the crossing and just see. Yeah, yeah. They had, and they had players in the box to defend it. It wasn't as if he was he was through on goal. And he was at an angle, so he wasn't going to shoot. No. He's going to pull it back. You've got to hope that your teammates are going to do, uh, are going to do a decent job marking whoever he's trying to you know, pull that ball back to. Uh, it's unbelievable. I was shocked from a from a side that have actually been you know extremely good this season. That was such a poor decision, and it's cost them. But mm-hmm. forget that. Wow, Pozuelo. Wow, the Poz Penenka. Yeah. Oh my God. The uh, let's say plums. The plums on that man. <laughs> uh, in the a... Pozzy plums. <laughs> I, I will be asking uh, Jamie from Finding Toronto. Uh, about this penalty in a moment. But, I mean, we g- going into that penalty, even the commentators here in the UK were like, OK, he did it last time. Surely he can't do it again, right? He's not going to do it again. And then he just sends Sean Johnson on the floor, dinks it over him. 89th minute of a playoff game. What a guy. What a guy. I mean, we know he's done it before. We know we did it. We were introduced to him via a Penenka yeah. earlier in the season. But I'm mean, the pressure on it, the pressure on that. You wouldn't see it in the Premier League. No. You wouldn't see that in the Premier League. You wouldn't see that in the Champions League. It's absolutely... I'm, I'm Honestly, I love the guy to pieces. I love him. He's such an important piece for Toronto. And going into that final against Atlanta... Woo-hoo. It's going to be a great game. We'll be talking to Sam from Dirty South Soccer for the Atlanta point of view in a moment. But ahead of that game, the playoff conference final... In the East, let's chat to Finding Toronto's Jamie. Finding Toronto is a UK-based podcast in the Northwest, where I'm from, and uh, they concentrate, obviously, on all things Toronto FC. So here's what happened when I caught up with Jamie. The MLS UK Show. And I'm delighted to say I'm joined by Jamie from the Finding Toronto podcast. How are you, Jamie? Oh, great, mate. How are you? I'm good, thanks. I mean, we're talking on the Friday, so you've had, what, for nearly 48 hours after uh, the victory against New York City, but you must still be buzzing, right? Oh, it was a great result. I mean, don't think anyone really expected us to go there and get that, to be fair, especially with Altidore being out and Gonzalez being out. But the team's just carried on, the, you know, the way it's been for the last couple of months. In all honesty, I don't think the change of stadium helped New York either, to be fair. So even though it was an away game, it was an away game. It, may as well, it was just a neutral stadium, wasn't it? I mean, I must admit, like, uh, because on paper, I guess, with New York City winning the, uh, the the conference and Toronto finishing in fourth, you could look at it and argue that it's a bit of a shock. But with the form going into the playoffs, did you quite expect that you could turn them over? Mate, you know what? The New York teams always do well in the regular season and just always hit the panic button when it comes to the playoffs, don't they? <laughs> so that's the case. It's it's two seasons rolled into one. It's getting into the playoffs. And then now you manage the playoffs. And for the last three out of four years, Toronto have done that exceptionally well. So I wasn't overly surprised that we won. I was I was surprised at how easy it was. I thought we you know, I thought we would definitely concede a few given you know, the defensive changes that we had to make, but not surprised at all, to be honest with you. I mean, they're, they're running for Toronto, still unbeaten in 12, you know. Yeah, well, this is the thing, and, and obviously the uh, the emphatic extra time win against DC, you wouldn't bet against Toronto at the moment. No, definitely not. I mean, in all honesty, I think Atlanta would definitely have preferred to have uh, DC or New York going into the into the final. So, 
their fans, yeah, they'll be buzzing. But out of all the teams, they would not have wanted to face Toronto in the final next Wednesday. I can guarantee that. Uh, so we're going to talk about the uh, the Atlanta game just in a moment, but I want to find out about you a bit, Jamie, because you do uh, the Finding Toronto podcast with Steve. You two comedians yeah. from the Northwest. Why Toronto? Oh well, we started. It was just over four years ago, and because um, we went late and or get home late between midnight and one a.m. most weekends, and you get home and you can't sleep, so you put the TV on and MLS would be on and. When it was on, we didn't support anyone, and I watched it, and then the next night we were in a green room, and I said, does anyone watch MLS? And the guys in there were all football fans, but they were like, no, why, why would you? It's, it's no good. Like, I said, well, of course it's good. I says, if you support a team, it, it will be good. I says, it's not good because you're not interested. So that was where the idea sort of originated from, in that we would pick a team and then make every Friday and Saturday a bit more exciting when we got home. And then when it all boiled down to it, we had to pick a team that we weren't jumping on any bandwagon. So we couldn't pick someone that had been winning for years. We didn't want to pick an LA Galaxy because that was trendy over here. We didn't want to pick Orlando because we see loads of Orlando shirts over here. You know, all those things that we wanted to avoid. And then we wanted to pick somebody that would never won anything. So basically we picked Toronto at that time because they were crap. And ever since, they've not stopped winning, have they, mate? <laughs> well, I was going to say, yeah, it may have been uh, the unfashionable choice at the time, but now it's one of the trendier choices. Absolutely. And the thing is, we went back to day one, looked at, that's the, the whole point of our podcast. We don't just follow them on a week-by-week -week basis. We look back, and that was the whole thing we wanted to do. And the fans and the way it's organically grown, you know, they didn't just spring up, like, say, for example, Atlanta with a 70,000 stadium that was full overnight you look at the toronto fans and they're proper football fans you know they've been through more lows than highs let's let's be honest from 2007 to 2014 they, they were doing absolutely nothing in mls so all those things made us choose toronto it, it wasn't the color red <laughs> i can assure you of that uh, are you sure because you're a liverpool fan aren't you no, I'm not. Are oh, you not? Fan. Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess Toronto then at the moment are giving you uh, something to smile about. Oh, absolutely. When Toronto haven't necessarily been doing as well, have you yeah. ever uh, put them into your set when you were on stage? No, mate. Do you know what? It's hard enough explaining to people over here why you follow MLS, to be fair, and then to try and turn it into something. People just stare at you. You know, one or two get it, but... I think in the in the mainstream of a comedy set, people just would just stare at you blankly, and then you end up having to explain why Canadian teams in what they consider to be an American league, and just get unless someone's got half an hour to sit down, then it's not worth explaining, is it? <laughs> no, that's a good point. So Atlanta then coming up in the conference final, it is in Atlanta. I mean, I'm sure Atlanta are looking at it, and I think they're just thankful to be at home because they tend to do well at home. But as we've said, Toronto can cause a, an upset. Is is Persuelo the man to, to do that? He is a star player, and I think it's important to give credit to Persuelo because he really hasn't stopped for 15 months. When he came in to Toronto early on in the season, he, he, he came on the back of doing a full season out there. He's ending the season well. I mean, that takes balls, doesn't it, to do what he did the other night. A cheeky Penenka with a couple of minutes to go and a penalty against 
a guy who we missed a penalty against not so long ago. So he's a star man, Mr. Reliable. I think, crucially, going in, and you look at the the second goal that Atlanta scored the other night, you know, when he, he went through and the, the centre-half completely mistimed the jump, Yeah, is we'll have Omar Gonzalez back. He's been the rock. He's been the turning point, and he'll be the difference on Wednesday night. Him, Quinton Westberg, a solid defence that we've got there, and also the reintroduction of Josie Altidore as well. Well, this is the thing. I mean, it's not exactly like you've, uh, you know, you've needed him really. You've no. you've been doing well without him. They've been doing great. They've been doing great without him. But so he's a luxury to have back, isn't he? He's not going to be worn out. He's certainly going to be fit. He missed the internationals as well. So it's all exciting. It's all exciting for for Wednesday night. And you know what? They've got seventy thousand fans going there on uh, Wednesday night. But then fans have never really suffered heartbreak, have they? If we get stuck into them. 25, 30 minutes in, put them under the cosh and put them 1-0 down, 2-0 down, really have a go. Let's see what those fans are made of. Yeah, and I guess if uh, if Atlanta have a defender in the style of uh, Matrita for New York City who's going to hack someone down in the 89th minute, I suppose that would help as well. Well, that certainly would help, wouldn't it? And that's where you mentioned him before, Pozuelo is the master of that, such as his size, him flitting around the box. He's hard to control, and especially on on that surface as well. It, it could be the difference, absolutely. So, 89th minute, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, 1-1. One, one. You get a penalty. Does Pesuelo do a Penenka again? Oh, he can do what he wants. It won't be 1-1 one, one at 89 minutes and guarantee you think we'll have a three-goal cushion by then. Honestly, <laughs> champagne will be out and everything. I love the positivity, especially from an Everton fan. It seems quite rare. Well, only since last weekend, everything started to be a bit more positive now. But also as well, this is this is great for the for the East, this one, because what you find in here on Wednesday night is that we've got the two thousand seventeen MLS champions playing the two thousand eighteen MLS champions. So this is a massive, you know, uh, matchup in terms of two teams, isn't it? To see who is the actual best in MLS. Well, we're really looking forward to it. Thanks so much for joining us, uh, Jamie. Just before you go the podcast is great. I listened to you know I listened to the last episode in particular. The honey badger stuff really made me laugh. Um, oh, cool! So if you want to uh, get the context of that, go back listen to it. But um, where's the best place to find you? iTunes and Podbean is where we place it, and then you can follow us on Twitter, which is at Finding Toronto with me and Steve Royal. MLS UK Show with Elliot Holman and Henry Hewitt. Nice one, guys. Of course, Finding Toronto, part of our hashtag MLSUK uh, umbrella. You can check out all of the content regarding MLS on Twitter by checking out the hashtag MLSUK. Everyone from the UK that's contributing to uh, MLS content, you'll find them there. Yes, right. Elsewhere in the East, Philadelphia Union, their first ever win in the playoffs was against New York Red Bulls. What a game. This was incredible. 3 3. After 90 minutes, 3-1 down at halftime with Philadelphia Union. They pulled it back. You even texted me saying there's a goal in there. And who did you say would score the third goal? Yeah, I remember it so clearly. They were 3-1 down and I was like, I can't remember if it was you I said it to um, or uh, somebody in the Orlando group. I was like, I think Philly are going to win this. And the clip from Jim Curtin saying, this is our house, this is our time. Yeah, You know, I'd get... You'd run through a wall for that man. Like, yeah. and, and they did. And I messaged you saying, as soon as Fafa Pico came on, I yeah. was like, he's going to score. He's going to score. He's going to tie this game up, 3-3, and we'll go to extra time. And, of course, then Fabian got the winner as well. And, I mean, that was... 
seven goals in my first like proper playoff game that I've been able to sit down and watch. And I just thought it was incredible. And I was pleased for Philly because we said on the podcast last week, it's a team without a superstar. Yeah. You know, yes, they they pay a lot of money for Fabian, but he's not even really playing. He's not. No, he's no. not even starting. Um, yeah, they've they've done some done some very very good recruitment and and very good work tactically. They've got a lot of options. They can go three three up top, one up top. They can pack out the midfield. They can go narrow in the midfield. They can go wide in the midfield. They've got options, and I love that. Like Jim Curtin's got it sorted, and um, obviously they they advanced and they played Atlanta. And and it didn't work out for them. They were they were beaten two nil by Atlanta at the Mercedes Benz Stadium. But that Atlanta side's efficient. It's a, yeah, it's yeah. the efficiency, the the keeping it tight at the back. I don't. I'll be honest with you because I know we have banter about uh, Atlanta. We have uh, banter, but I like watching them. I will always watch them when they're on telly here in the UK, and I'll enjoy watching them. Okay, I've just said that out loud. <laughs> Not sure about this playoff Atlanta. And I'm not criticising because I get it. You've yeah, got to yeah. be tight. I to- I get it. And <laughs> what do I know about the playoffs? Don't you know my team? My team haven't quite managed it. But I, I, yeah, it's it's negative, but it's getting the job done. Yeah, um, I must admit, as an Atlanta fan, I much prefer watching them when they're turning teams over five yeah. 0 at the Benz. But it's like Kalen Carr said on the last episode, to win MLS Cup, you need that plan B. Mm. Atlanta had it last year when we know what they can do on the attack. We know that Joseph Martinez has got a goal in him. We know then that there's players around him like Gressel who can help out and the wing-backs are great. But you need that plan B. Yeah. Atlanta had it last year when they kicked New York City off the pitch. Kalen Carr's words, not mine. <laughs> and uh, and they've got it this year. They're keeping it tight at the back. They've got two clean sheets. It's not pretty... But we're getting the job done. And Joseph Martinez, it may have took him six chances, but he got his goal against Philadelphia Union. A great finish. He then missed a few after that as well. But, um, you know, they're getting it done. And for me, I'm confident because they're at home. However, you've got to think Toronto FC of a farm team. I'm worried it's going to be a great game, but I am confident just because Atlanta are at home. Okay, well, let's find out what the uh, guys from Dirty South Soccer have to say about this. Yeah, I caught with Sam Jones earlier on uh, this week, and here's what he had to say. The uh, I think it was the morning after, the night before. The MLS UK Show. Joining us is Sam from Dirty South Soccer. How are you, Sam? I'm doing very well after last night. I can't complain at all. Were you at the game last night? I was, I was. I, I cover the team on a, a pretty regular basis, so I was up in the press box, and... Uh, Able to get in the locker room and talk to some folks as well afterward. Oh, excellent. You must have been buzzing in there. It's, it's a little excited. I think uh, it's interesting. You know, it's, it's kind of a mentality with this club at this point that there are bigger games ahead, I think. Uh, it felt pretty normal, honestly, last night. I think they know that this is not the end for them. Uh, there's a mentality that, you know, Eastern Conference Finals, MLS Cup is on the way, and this was just one more step. Yeah, I mean, even though obviously it's only the third season for Atlanta United in MLS, this is just the norm now, right? This is the norm. That's exactly right. And we talk to Brad Guzan a lot about this. He's always saying that in the pregame talks they have and everything like that, that they are reminding themselves that this is what big clubs do. This is the mentality that goes into it. And it's a culture that's really unique to Atlanta uh, because so much of Atlanta – is based around the misery of its professional sports teams and its collegiate sports teams as well. 
uh, for Atlanta United to come in and have that mentality. It's, it's fascinating, honestly. I, I don't know how or why, but I'm grateful. We heard a bit of this over in the UK. So just to explain for our UK listeners, so Atlanta, uh, the sports scene in particular, there's kind of a curse on it, isn't it, at the moment? And then Atlanta United broke that. Exactly. Uh, well, I'm not sure if they broke it for anyone else but them. It's uh, it's been a little rough elsewhere uh, with, with the baseball team, with the professional football team, things like that. Uh, it hasn't gotten much better, but we have Atlanta to fall back on. Uh, but the idea is that the 96 Olympics were awarded to Atlanta pretty much somewhat out of nowhere, right? Atlanta's a growing city, but it wasn't supposed to be the city for the Olympics, right? So the idea is that the 96 Olympics curse now reigns over the Atlanta sports teams and no one else but Atlanta United has won anything since 1995. Oh, so it's kind of, uh, you can have the Olympics, but you're not going to win, none of your teams are going to win anything for the next uh, 20 years. Exactly. I'm not sure if we knew that going into it, <laughs> if we would have made that trade, but uh, it, it's part of our lives now. <laughs> so looking at the playoffs then, of course, Atlanta have got, um, you know, a home sweep, if you will, until MLS Cup final. Is, is if it was the other way round and Atlanta, say, finished sixth or seventh and were, were spending the time on the road, would you have been as confident going into it? Absolutely not. And the thing is with this new format, uh, it's so tough to go on the road and be in that single elimination format and know that you've got to do something, right? You can't just sit there and really hope uh, because there's so many advantages that kind of come in uh, with home field and MLS especially. Uh, and so with this new single elimination format and with Atlanta being a team that really struggles from behind, especially, uh, they, they haven't necessarily struggled on the road. But if they got down on the road, you'd be very worried. Uh, Atlanta is a team that in the regular season that from trailing positions got two points, two whole points. That's it. There was only one team worse, and that was Cincinnati with one point. And Cincinnati, of course, is their first year in the league. So I would not have been as confident. Uh, it's it's much more reassuring to have 45,000 people on your side every night if you're uh, an United player, for sure. So what's the deal with that, man? Why can't Atlanta come, you know, if they go behind, why can't they? Because on paper, they've got one of the best squads in the, uh, in the MLS. So why can't they turn it around? Is it a mentality thing? I, I got to say, yeah. And I think a large part of it and a large part of the narrative with Frank DeBoer right now is that this team is kind of just now really becoming comfortable with what he's asking them to do with what they're asking each other to do. And that's exactly, that's a quote he had last night was that everyone knows what to expect from everyone now. And it just simply wasn't the case at the beginning of the year. And I think it kind of started to switch around August when Atlanta played in the Campionas Cup final and won that and started to move through the U.S. Open Cup and understand how to win these knockout kind of games. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think that's exactly it. I think it was a mentality thing for them especially. Um, and so we talked a lot about the last day of the year when they were able to – they weren't coming from behind, but New England did score a, a quick response goal. It made it 1-1, and Atlanta had to not panic and not capitulate and everything like that. And they stayed true and ended up getting a big win against New England. Um, so that was kind of huge, I think, for their psyche going into this. And like we said, it's just a, it's a big club mentality at this point, right? Like, I, I don't think they're even worried about getting behind because they know they're in control of everything. Um, so 
Where are you at the moment with Frank De Boer? Because obviously at the start of the season, there were even shouts for De Boer out at one point. Like obviously being in a playoff conference final, must uh, must he must have proved that he can at least manage the side. Uh, where are you personally with De Boer? I think we've kind of fallen on the idea that Frank is a good soccer coach. He he knows exactly what's going on uh, in a game of football but he's just a bad communicator in general, right? Like, this is a thing where I think it got him in trouble at Palace. I think it got him in trouble at Inter, where he just struggles to communicate his ideas at times and communicate effectively and know what is essentially a good PR move for him, right? Um, So there have been times this year, of course, and I, I think you would know as an Atlanta fan that he's said a few things that have made, you know, global news, essentially, right? He, he had the comment about the uh, Dutch national team mm. with the women's side earning equal pay, and he said he didn't think that was really on the up and up. And, of course, that got him all over ESPN and everything like that over here. And I know it reached uh, elsewhere in the world yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, so it, it's those kind of things that make you shake your head and go, come on, man, like this can't be that hard, right? But there's something we noticed last night during the press conference is that after a couple wins in the playoffs, he, he had a he had a confidence to him when he was answering these questions, right? It's kind of hard to describe, but he seemed comfortable, I think was the word, which is not something that he's really been, especially in the beginning of the year, right? He was very much hesitant to say, I think, what was on his mind to kind of go out there and not do anything but be a cheerleader in the press conferences, right? Like, oh, we just need time. You guys have to be patient. Even messed that up, though, and and called Atlanta fans spoiled at the beginning of the year, which didn't help him at all. But, you know, the best way to solve PR crisis is just win, right? So you you throw in everything he's done in August. You throw in the Campionas Cup. You throw in the Open Cup trophies. Everyone starts to feel pretty good. And I think the last two games, I think everyone kind of has come to the consensus that those are his best two games, maybe, as an Atlanta United manager. Uh, we're having to deal with so much with Miles Robinson out, with Michael Parkhurst out. He's having to make adjustments. Uh, he's pu- kind of pulling the strings here and there tactically. And last night he comes out in the back four and everyone kind of goes, okay, then, sure, Mikey Ambrose exists. This is definitely a player we have on our team. Uh, but Mikey ended up playing well, and everything ended up working out in a, a really, really solid way. I think public perception is at the point where we're kind of maybe not laughing at the idea that there was shouts of DeBoer out at the beginning of the year, but understanding that uh, the patience has kind of paid off a little bit, right? Yeah, so let's say Atlanta get beat against Toronto. Does it go back to being, well, you've not won MLS Cup, so DeBoer out? Or do do you think people will see the bigger picture? I honestly think that this is a bigger picture scenario. Right. And I think going into this particular playoffs with having won MLS Cup last year and already having two trophies in tow from this year and having clinched Champions League for next year. Right. I think everyone is pretty firmly in the camp that this is a good year. This is a success. And now getting to the Eastern Conference Finals for the second straight year, uh, if you lose to Toronto, who's playing really, really well. They haven't lost in their last 12 games. I don't think anyone's going to be 
extremely upset. Um, I want to talk about Pity Martinez because uh, it's been an up and down season for him. Maybe people were expecting more than what he's perhaps shown for Atlanta. Mm-hmm. What's your opinions on him? So there's an interesting thing here with PT and Frank, especially where I've kind of described it as, and not to get too real here, but I've kind of described it as like a relationship that's kind of breaking down and like, they still like, they still love each other. Right. But they know it's just not quite working out. Right. But they're going to, they're going to stay together for the betterment of the kids or, <laughs> or something like that. Right. Um, him and Frank don't necessarily see eye to eye. Of course, that was part of, again, a, a PR crisis for Frank back in the middle of the season when PT goes on South American radio and says that he would rather be in River Plate and, and other things similar like that, um, you know. And I think the relationship is kind of broken down from there to an extent anyway, right? I, I think they are both professional. I think they both know that there is a, a goal in mind that they're both here to accomplish. But I think that the relationship just isn't quite there. Um, I'm not sure exactly if that means that PT is gone after this year, but from what I understand from people kind of inside the club, that there's just a, there's just a, a tension there, I guess, to an extent, right? Like if you have to work with someone who you don't necessarily get along with, you're going to have that, underlying tension there throughout their whole day and I think that's kind of what they're both going through um yeah so you're saying then with him and the bar it's uh on show everything's all right but there's nothing going on in the bedroom <laughs> that'd be exactly right I think that's exactly right <laughs> um so just before you go Sam uh obviously as an Atlanta fan I'm well aware of what your your work and and dirty South soccer's work if any Atlanta fans listening out there that aren't aware, check them out because um, it's it's really refreshing to get fan opinion on on the a whole range of Atlanta United topics. Just tell us about yourself and tell us about the work that Dirty South Soccer do. Yeah, absolutely. I've been covering the team since the the first year. Uh, and I've been doing game coverage since uh, since that first year as well. Um, and we've been. There from the beginning, the Dirty South Soccer blog started as 21 Peachtree, I think is what it was. Uh, it was just a WordPress blog that we essentially had to say, hey, uh, we eventually want to be part of the uh, SB Nation team and networks. It got to the point where it was big enough, even before the team existed, to go ahead and jump and, and make the move to becoming Dirty South Soccer. Uh, but all credit to our founder, Rob Ushry, in doing that and a lot of folks who were there from the very beginning in the Atlanta soccer scene to kind of get things going. Uh, but now we have a, a pretty large cast of writers uh, under the SB Nation team model. Uh, so a lot of us are volunteer. A lot of us are doing this out of the goodness of our heart. Uh, and if anyone's getting paid, it's not much, right? Um, so we are, are doing this a lot for, uh, for just fun purposes, right? We enjoy doing this. We love doing this. We love the culture that's built around this team. And you can go to Dirty South Soccer and find anything from really in-depth tactical analysis to some really, really dumb articles with lots of bad jokes in them. Uh, And we're pretty proud of that. Um, So we're proud of what we've been able to do in the community here and uh, be able to have an influence and know that if we keep tweeting out something dumb like playoff Franco in regards to Franco Escobar, that people are going to pick up on it and uh, have a lot of fun with it. Um, So that's the message. Thanks very much for joining us, Sam. Uh, Just before you go, can I get a prediction for the Toronto game? 
Um, I'm, I'm very interested. I, I don't quite, I was thinking about that this morning as I kind of woke up and regathered myself from last night. I don't know if Altidore is going to be ready for Toronto because Waylo still scares me. But I think Atlanta is at a point where they just know how to handle things, right? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 2 nothing. MLS UK Show with Elliot Holman and Henry Hewitt. Awesome. Shout out to Dirty South Soccer. Uh, I follow them on Twitter, always providing good insights. They've got good banter as well. Uh, always good to follow during the game as well. So um, well done to you guys. Good work. Yeah, and uh, Sam was uh, one of the people who, uh, because as the playoffs were happening, we had to turn it around really quickly. Mm. So I had to speak to uh, a number of fans of different oh, teams. It's really awkward. Yeah, and I basically had to say, do you want to come on the podcast? And like Sam was like, yeah, I'd love to. And I was like, okay. If you win. If you win, yeah. If you don't win, we'd love to chat to you in the close season. Our friend Philadelphia Union UK, he was one of them, where I was like, yeah. mate, I'm really sorry. We'd, can we chat to you in the close season? Because we need to speak to an Atlanta fan now. Yeah. But uh, yeah, luckily for me, anyway, uh, we did get to uh, speak to Sam. So thanks for joining us. Yeah. And uh, speaking of uh, letting people down and maybe asking them to come on the show and then saying, actually, guys, maybe not. Uh, shout out to LA as our house, who are another <laughs> another victim of this. Um, LA Galaxy started their playoffs away at Minnesota and got a 2-1 win. Now, this again, myself and Kaylin we'll both went for Minnesota because I just felt like anyone yeah. could beat LA on the day. But do you know what? Actually, um, they were impressive. And when you think about the goal that, that won it, the, the Wobbelani from Dos Santos, absolutely brilliant strike. And um, I, I didn't mind that. I don't, you know, I, I think they deserve the win overall. Yeah, this uh, result, as well as the Philadelphia Union draw, is what made me win predictions last week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, MLS is full of drama and it's, it's as if it's a script and it was scripted. For yeah. me, it was scripted. It was going to be the LA Derby in the playoffs. What can we say about this game? LAFC 5, LA Galaxy 3. I don't know what we can say about it. I I mean, I put the poll up on our on our Twitter, um, and it was at uh, six in the morning when the game finished. I hadn't. I genuinely, I'll be honest with you, I had not slept. I had all this big plan. So, yeah. Right. Okay. This game's kicking off late, so I've got to get. To, I'm gonna have to be up for work at quarter to seven in the morning. <laughs> so if the game's gonna finish at about six, I was yeah. like, I need to get a nap in beforehand. I just couldn't. And. It sounds this sounds ridiculous because I sound like a kid talking about Christmas or a trip to Disneyland. I was too excited. Yeah, yeah. I was laying there. I was in my pajamas in bed at like six p.m. and I'm thinking, do you know what? I don't. I don't know if. I don't know if I can sleep. Like I, I just going round in my head like, it, like who's he going to start? Like is Lean Wynn going to start? Or how are they going to use you know a holding midfielder? Or like are Galaxy going to do it? Is Latan going to turn up? And I just so. It finished, and I had 45 minutes before I needed to go to work. And you saw me the next day. Yeah. It's not not pretty, but what a game. I regret nothing. I regret absolutely nothing because it was incredible. Sometimes games can get hyped up a lot. Shout out to Manchester United v Liverpool the other week. But, yeah, for this game... I, looking forward to it that much, I felt the Atlanta-Philadelphia game, for me, even as an Atlanta fan, was just a a starter. It was a warm-up. It was a bit of a garlic bread to the main course that was this LA derby. And, uh, yeah, great game. Of course, if if you've been living under a rock and you didn't know what happened, 
LAFC went 2-0 up. Carlos Vellas, two goals in the uh, first half. Then uh, LA Galaxy hit back just before half-time. Zlatan got the equaliser just after half-time. And you're thinking, oh my God, it's happening again. LA Galaxy have managed to pull something out of the bag against LAFC. But no, after that, LAFC, uh, Diamandi came on and changed the game. And uh, it finished 5-3. And it was a great advert for MLS. LAFC progress now. LA Galaxy don't. There's a lot of talk around Zlatan, understandably. He was more focused going into this game as well. He wasn't doing any interviews or anything. So uh, I'm sure he's disappointed. And towards the end of the game, you could just sense that bit of frustration that he must have. Because let's face it, the players he's playing with are good players, good MLS players. They're not Zlatan Ibrahimovic. They can't do what he can do. Defensively very poor as well. I think mm. they were maybe let down. You know, they scored three goals. And I think if you're going to score three goals away from home, you've got to keep it tight yeah, at, yeah. The, at the back. And let's be honest, the defending was atrocious. And, you know, I've seen LA Galaxy fans. You know, they're, they're very aware of, of that. And that's something that's going to have to be improved because they could be a force. And it's mm. a shame. You want to almost want to, you want to pause time and keep Zlatan how he is now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but just say, come, just stay like that. But we're just going to get you a better defense and see see what happens because I, th- I think they'd be a force. But I'm not just saying this to wind you up. I, LAFC, man, wow. No, I, I, they're my favorites. I, I said it'd be an LAFC Atlanta final in my bracket. I still believe that. And then I said LAFC would win. They are. It's it's written in the stars as far as I'm concerned. It's a tough game coming up against Seattle, but. You've got to fan the record breakers. You've got to fancy them. And if I was a neutral, I would want LAFC to win. Mm. Okay, well, let's find out what Matt, uh, part of hashtag MLS UK, uh, had to say about LAFC's chances. The MLS UK Show. Joining us now uh, from UK LAFC is Matt. How are you, Matt? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I, I mean, it's been a few days now, but you must still be on a high after that result the other night. Uh, yeah, massively. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's it, it 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 helps that it was against Galaxy, but I think beating anyone in the playoffs is a big thing, isn't it? It's, you can never you can never expect it to happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, obviously, it is the Galaxy, and it's the first time that LAFC have beaten them. I mean, that must give the team and and you as a fan so much confidence now. Yeah, yeah, hugely. I mean, it's just with, with them being our bogey team, it was. You just expect it to happen all over again, don't you? But I think I think we deserved it on the night. I thought we were the better team. Yeah, I mean, you must have been nervous at two two, right? Very, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love the setup you had in bed watching it with chicken wings. I mean, that's the dream setup for that match, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, usually it's me because because the wife's usually on nights. It's me like watching it with my earphones in and trying not to make any noise. But I managed to convince her to get in, get involved in the fun this time. Have you managed to convince her that maybe November 10th might be a good time to go to LA? I'm trying. I'm still trying, yeah. <laughs> spoke to you at the start of the season. You were quite confident then. We spoke to you halfway through the season. You were still confident. How confident are you now it's got down to the nitty-gritty? No, I am still confident. And I still think when you when you look at not just season-long form, but when you look at recent performances, I think we are the team to... It's, it's ours to throw away, isn't it? I think we are the favourites to win it, but... No disrespect to Galaxy, as big as a test that was, I think Seattle's an even bigger test. In my opinion, the, the season stats don't lie and Seattle have finished on top. So I think this is a bigger test for us now. Yeah, well, I mean, that's in the, the one flaw, really, in LAFC's season is the fact that when these big games come up, you haven't particularly played as well as you have in the other games. And I suppose Galaxy 
helped get that monkey off the back. But now you are the favourites. You are favourites to beat Seattle. You're at home. Is that going to be another obstacle to overcome? Um, yeah, I, I, I'm still going to put the money on us to win it, but I am. I, I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm trying not to get too cocky and confident because not only is it a one-off game and anything can happen, but we've seen it before. Seattle are a good team. They deserve to be there, don't they? Um, so you've run. You well. You do run UK LAFC. Um, obviously, you've you've you're on Twitter. You're on Facebook. You've got merch going now. It's it seems to be really hitting off. Have you found with the success from LAFC this season that that's helped you with that? Um, it, to be honest, I, I was I was expecting more of a boom, but I think I think given given the media attention of when you compare the playoffs to winning the Supporters Shield, it's the Supporters Shield's very much overlooked, isn't it? So I'm I'm expecting the boom to come when we win the playoffs. Looking forward, then, how much do you know about Seattle? I know your dad's a Portland fan, so yeah. he, I suppose he wants you to win. Um, and, and is there any players that you, you fear or any positions where you think Seattle could really get at LAFC? Um, oh, again, it's, just, it's I think we say the same every time, don't we? I think it's a, it's a league-wide problem. It's just our defence. It's Everybody seems to have a weak defence in the MLS, don't they? So it's I do think we're strong enough to cope with them all over the park. But like I said before, they're, they're there on merit. I personally don't... I'm not a big fan of this playoff system. I don't like it that you can finish mid-table and still scrape your way through but they are there on minute they fin- they they finished second they deserve to be there they've got a strong squad all over but I don't think they'll cope with us uh, are you just saying that because LAFC won the supporters shield if it was the other way around would you be all for it <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 I'd, 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 I might be a bit biased there thinking if, if we lose in the playoffs at least I can try and cling to the shield yeah <laughs> <laughs> just before you go if we used to do some LAFC awards then this season Obviously, yeah. you can imagine who the MVP would be, but is who yeah. would be the unsung hero for LAFC this season? Well, I, I, I'd say blessing, but even that—that's not unsung because everybody at the club loves him. Um, I mean, he's—I don't think he was ever, when they signed him. He was ever expected to be such a key player, but he's—he's he's superb. It's—I mean, I know—I know that Vela gets all the all the, the plaudits, but I think Blessing's one of our best players going at the minute. And what would your moment of the season be? <laughs> well, the last game, <laughs> all of it, all, the whole game. <laughs> and uh, finally, goal of the season. Who would? Uh, which goal would get that? Um, any of Vela's left foots when he cuts in from the from the wing. It's it, it, they're unstoppable. He's done it countless times. Cuts in from the row, hits it with his left, and the keeper can't get near it. Excellent. Okay. Well, what's your prediction for the playoff game against Seattle? Then I, th- I think we'll beat them two one. Uh, well, thanks for joining us, Matt. Just before you go, if you want to just give a shout out to UK LAFC, where if there's any LAFC fans that are wanting to see a UK side of it or any of it live in the UK that want to get involved, where's the best place to find you? Um, yeah, just Twitter at UK LAFC. Um, we, you can sign up on the website, um, UKLAFC.com. It's all free. It's just, I basically, I'll put the sign up there so that I could get in touch with more fans. Sign up, follow us on Twitter and... Um, Hopefully one day we'll all be able to arrange getting together, but the three o'clock kickoffs make it a bit difficult, don't they? Elliot Holman, Henry Hewitt, MLS UK Show.
There we go. There's uh, our third chat with our designated phoners this week. Matt, who's from UK LAFC. Check out uh, them on Twitter. Uh, he's got merch as well now. So if you're an LAFC yeah. fan, especially in the UK, uh, you can uh, get your hands on that. A lot of them deemed lucky T-shirts as well. Did you mm. see this? Yeah. Uh, somebody was at the game in their um, UK LAFC T-shirt and they got the win. And uh, I'm sure they'll be <laughs> sure they'll be wearing it again for the game against Seattle on uh, the 29th. So uh, looking then towards Seattle, but uh, rounding off what happened in the West, uh, we've got Seattle's match against FC Dallas. That again, fantastic match. Went this, to extra time. Yeah, this is one that I had to try and follow on my phone um, whilst I was working, which was both difficult and frustrating because I could see Twitter was in meltdown at this game because uh, it was just crazy. Yeah, it was. Jordan Morris got a hat-trick. He then, uh, it was announced he got comeback of the year straight yeah. after it. Did you see how it was announced? Comeback player of the year. Yeah, he was just, Schmetzer just said in the uh, in his team talk after the game, uh, well done, Jordan, by the way, comeback of the year. Yeah. Which works well when he scored a hat-trick. If yeah. he had got sent off or scored an own goal. Yeah, was... nice one, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, you've won this. Uh, so that was a great game. Uh, Seattle then went on to play RSL that beat Portland in the uh, the first playoff match, mm. uh, I said Portland would win that. I thought the momentum would be with them. You, however, thinking more logically, mm. RSL at home, finished third, and RSL won that game. Yeah, it's, Portland have got that big team aura about yeah. them, but I, RSL at home, we've learned from predictions, you know, RSL at home are very strong, and they did well to finish where they did anyway. Um, so I just always always fancied them to progress. But of course, they met Seattle. Mm. And Seattle won two 0 Seattle Sounders killed off the career of Nick Ramondo. Yeah, retired after his two hundred and fourth birthday. <laughs> uh, I mean, this game we we talked we joked about Atlanta's games weren't exactly the most exciting games. I, I'd put this Seattle RSL game in that bracket. Yeah. I know they got two goals in the second half, but for me, they were never really in danger, were they? No, no, not at all. And I, I think Seattle. And they're right to face LAFC, but I think from what we've seen, it's gonna it's gonna have to be Herculean yeah. to beat LAFC. I really do. Well, it will have to be Herculean. Uh, some man who uh, does hope that Seattle can somehow manage to get a victory in LA is Gregor. We've had him on the podcast before. He's from the Full Ninety Extra Time podcast. They concentrate on everything Seattle Sounders. I caught up with him while he was in the, an airport lounge waiting for his flight from New York to Seattle. He explains why he was there and he talks about Seattle. Here's what happened. The MLS UK Show. I flew out to see my friend record an HBO hour-long comedy special. His name's Dan Soder and it was in New York City. And so I uh, was there the same day that the playoff match ended up happening between New York and Toronto. And we had too many uh, spirits beforehand and did not make it to the match. <laughs> Have you seen what happened in that match? I mean, talk <laughs> of a comedy special. What, what was Matrita doing right at the end? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak to that. That's a, <laughs> uh, what a disaster. Like Playing on the wrong field and already they have a kind of garbage field as it is. It's like... Uh, <laughs> It's crazy that the, that team kind of got did wrong there. Yeah, well, one thing that Seattle does, I mean, Seattle has a lot of things. Seattle Sound is a beautiful stadium, you know, great atmosphere. It doesn't have a net that goes across the camera, so we can be thankful for that. <laughs> 100%. Uh, so speaking of Seattle Sounders then, um, I mean, we caught up with you at the start of the season. You was you was quite positive then. You must be even more positive now. What a great... Few, few weeks it's been for Seattle Sounders. 
it has been so up and down for us because the season started really strong. Um, and it was so exciting to watch them get so many points right out of the gate. Then to fall apart their kind of midseason via the hamstring tickles that everyone gets. The team was such a disaster for the mid uh, midpoint of the season. And then now to kind of get it together right at the end. Not in the traditional Sounders way. Like There's usually been like crazy huge runs during August and whatnot. Uh, to to wrap up the season, this one has a little less momentum, but just like eking out these wins and like getting points, and it's you know finishing second on the squad and the performance that they had is uh, is awesome, and uh, it was such a tight Western Conference overall, except for LAFC. So <laughs> yeah, pretty exciting. Yeah, well, it was LAFC and the rest in the end. I'm going to talk about LAFC in a moment, but let's talk Jordan Morris first. Comeback of the year. He's been a great comeback season for him, hasn't it? Yeah, it's too bad he can't score with both feet, except for all the times he did that this year. So, uh, yeah, what a you know he's a he's a hardworking guy and he's he's so big, he's like so physical and quick, and the combination there, uh, getting the, the mental part of it dialed in, and he's just been um, such a weapon and such an asset. Really, it was really awesome. I thought that he would get stiffed on that award. Um, so when it came through, it was like a pretty nice surprise. Yeah, I mean, you would have thought with the injury that he had in particular that maybe some of that strength or some of the, the quickness has gone from him, but it, it hasn't, has it? He's, he's come on leaps and bounds. Yeah, I feel like spending that time uh, rebounding from the injury gave him a lot of time to actually work on some of the little stuff and uh, to really get back to a, a better game than he had before he left. So uh, the playoffs then, as we as we stand, you've uh, you've beaten FC Dallas at home. You've then beat RSL at home. Uh, the FC Dallas game, I mean, what a, first of all, what a game that was! Uh, and oh my jo- God. Yeah, Jordan Morris pulled really got got pulled it out of the bag, didn't he? In the end, yeah. I mean, having a hat trick for the first time ever in the playoffs in a game where no one wanted to play defense, uh, <laughs> someone had to step up, and I think it's actually kind of. Um, we can use it to look forward to the LAFC match. I think it's gonna. There's gonna be some similarities between it, and so you're gonna need big performances from a guy who can, you know, eke out these points. And now at this point, like all the pressure is on, and um, Sounders have keep finding a way to get it done. It's really exciting. Uh, yeah, I mean the RSL game was a bit more. Uh, how can I put it? A bit more chilled. Was that what you was relieved to see after that FC Dallas game? Um, it's tough because the first half was pretty typical 2019 Seattle Sounders. Uh, it was, you didn't know where it was going to come from. It didn't look like they had it all dialed in. It was like at any time could something bad happen to the squad. And Schmetzer went into the, uh, went in at half, really fired up and angry with the performance and he got something out of them. And so rather than starting strong, like against FC Dallas and then kind of faltering for the second half, it was the opposite performance. And that's the type of like mental focus that I, I feel like was sometimes missing in the performances this year. So yeah, um, it is exciting to see that. Unfortunately, the defense, the center back pairing has been a real troublesome thing for Seattle this year. And so you see Roman Torres leave the match uh, halfway through there. And with a, again, the hamstring uh, issues that have plagued the team for the last three years um, to see him take a seat on the bench with that after having just come come back from suspension is tough because he's such a big figure in the middle there. Obviously, it's been a, a difficult season for Roman Torres. So for Seattle to finish second in the conference, amongst all of that, what was going on in the background, it just it's commendable, isn't it? It shows how strong the squad is. Yeah, the the one thing that I, it, that's absolutely true. The one thing that I worry about is that the goals aren't necessarily coming from the 
the production that you would expect. You didn't see a huge season from Rui Diaz. Um, you were, it's nice because the goals get spread out. Uh, we on our podcast, the Full Ninety Extra Time, we have a, an award that we don't hand out, but that we keep track of. Called uh, this year, called the Golden Clog, <laughs> and the Dutch player with the most goals in the league, tied with Danny Houston, was Kelvin Leerdam. Um, and so to see that, like, even from the left back position, we got a guy who puts in these goals. It's coming from all over the squad, but it's not. There's like you don't have that Carlos Vela that, that's that's putting up. I mean, no one does, but that's putting up the. <laughs> multiple goals you know like we the double digit goals are like hard to come by for the squad so I, it's tough to say it's really um i if the defense doesn't get it right there's going to be some ser- serious problems well looking forward to that lafc game then is that what could uh, hinder seattle is that could be a problem that we don't you don't have that <laughs> player that is you can guarantee right he's going to get us a goal whatever yeah i think the um if you're not going to have an awesome defense and you're not going to be able to keep <laughs> Carlos Vela from having a hat trick you got to be delivering up front but it's actually really comforting that uh LAFC didn't want to play defense either so like that's that's the game we could play so bearing that in mind then what do you think the score is going to be I'm going to say it's going to be uh 3-2 Seattle out of interest in the other conference then who would you prefer to play personally I uh, my mother-in-law is an Atlanta United fan <laughs> and so <laughs> She's been a character on the podcast all all year now. I won't I won't repeat some of the things we said. But, um, so she's uh, she rubs it in my face all the time about Atlanta United. So let's let's see them go down. MLS UK show with Elliot Holman and Henry Hewitt. There he is, jet set extraordinaire, Gregor. <laughs> uh, of course, the Seattle Sounders DP on today's MLS UK show. We've had four on. Thank you very much to Jamie from Finding Toronto, Sam, who works with Dirty South Soccer, UK LAFC's Matt, and also Gregor from the Full 90 Extra Time podcast. Uh, We will be tweeting out their details um, when we release this podcast. So if you want any more information on them, check them out on uh, on Twitter. Yes. Um, Before, of course, we go away and enjoy another round of the playoffs, we need to make some predictions. As we stand so far this season... It's 9-6. Is it? Yes. So, 9-6 to you. So, if I get this, it's 9-7. But then we've only got one round left. So, we might have to cross that bridge when we get to it on how we make it interesting for the final. Okay, well, I'll tell you how we'll make it interesting. Go on. If this week is worth one, as normal. Yeah. And then for the final, what we'll do is we'll just make it worth, I don't know, one. um, And that'll be fine. So, uh, okay. Let's start with the West. LAFC versus Seattle. I think we'll both go for an LAFC win, but what's the score going to be? Yeah, I've got to agree. Uh, 4-2 LAFC. I don't think it's dead set. I just think I'd sound stupid if I say Seattle are going to win. Yeah. And then LAFC win. It's like, well, obviously that was going to happen. Like, why did you say that? I do believe there's kind of like an off chance here. I don't think it's set in stone, but I'm going to go for a 2-0 LAFC win. Okay. And then... Atlanta United versus Toronto FC. I want you to go first, and I'll tell you why in a second. Okay. Um, I oh, I haven't thought about this. This is difficult. On the spot. I think it'll go extra time. Oh, I was going to go extra time. <laughs> That's how I was going to try and get my points back. No, all right, well, I've got that one. Extra time. <laughs> um, I think it'll be one all. Right. One all, extra time. And then I think Atlanta, because they're Don Garber's boys, will get some rank penalty and they'll win 2-1. 
Okay, well, now you're going extra time, so I'm not going to go extra time. I think Gonzalez Perez will be let off ascending off, just like the other night. Good lad. Um, (laughs) I think I'm going to have to go Atlanta then. It's a tough game, believe me. This is the one team going into the playoffs in in that conference that I really didn't want Atlanta to play. They're at home, no. You've gone for the draw, so I'm going to go Atlanta win. I'm going to go... I'm going to say the edge it 2-1. Okay, so we've both gone 2-1, but mine's in extra time. Yeah. All right. Well, I genuinely good luck. I, I, I mean that because we need to add another star <laughs> star to our badge. Um, we added a star to the uh, MLS UK show badge for a bit uh, last year when Atlanta clinched the title. So um, no chance of Orlando uh, helping towards that cause. So uh, go forth and bring it home. Good luck. Thank you. Uh, right, before we leave today, if you want to reveal the name of the player in the game with the changing name. Yes, this is a player that won an MLS end of season award. He did. And when I went to get a picture of him to put on our <laughs> socials, I saw him in an Aston Villa kit. He played for a Villa between 2015 and 2018, uh, having started his career at Valencia before that. Uh, he then moved to Deportivo La Coruña. Well said. Uh, and then New England Revolution. I've got to admit, I never heard of him before New England Revolution. No, me neither. But of course, we are talking about Carles Heel, as they call Heel. him. Heel. Not Gil. Right. Or, or Carl, Carl's Gil. Carl's Gil. Uh, right, thank you very much for joining us. Remember, if you've not heard our interview with Caelan Carr from MLS, that's episode 23. Check that out. It wasn't a great phone line, but we did get a lot out of him. And, uh, you know, he's he's obviously previewed the playoffs and a lot of what he says actually still stands, mm. like having a plan B and LAFC and whatever. So check that out. You can also check out our playoff preview as well. Give us a rating. But, of course, Elliot, the one rule if you want to give us a rating. Make it five stars. That's the one. Thank you very much for listening. Here's Henry's catchphrase. See ya. Sports Social Podcast Network.